Lift up the trumpet and loud let it ring, Jesus is coming again. Cheer up, you pilgrims, be joyful and sing, Jesus is coming again. This is the voice of prophecy, a voice crying in the wilderness of these modern days. Prepare ye the way of the Lord. Coming again, coming again, Jesus is coming again. From our Voice of Prophecy studios in Los Angeles, California, we welcome you to this half hour of inspiration and music with the King's Heralds, Del Delker, Brad Braley, and the Voice of Prophecy speaker, H.M.S. Richards, a Seventh-day Adventist minister. Jesus with you, child of sorrow and of woe. It will joy and comfort give you. Take it then wherever you go. Precious name, oh how sweet, hope of earth and joy of heaven. Precious name. Father, we pray that thou wilt bless this broadcast to everyone who listens. We pray for the peace of the world and for the rulers of mankind that there may be religious liberty. O oh God, remember the parched earth where the great droughts affect so many. Send rain if it please thee. We ask this all in Jesus' name. O 
Jesus, blessed Redeemer, sent from the heart of God. Hold us who bow before thee. Near to the heart of God. heralds now reflect upon the cruel treatment heaped upon our Savior and sing, I'll be a friend to Jesus. They tried my Lord, they tried my Lord and Master, with no one to, with no one to defend, within the Stood without, he stood without a friend. I'll be a friend, be a friend to, to Jesus. Jesus. 
trust my life for him, I'll spend. I'll be a friend to Jesus until my years shall end. To all who need a Savior, my friend, I recommend because he brought salvation is why I am his friend. I'll be a friend to Jesus. My life for him, my life for him, I'll spend. I'll be a friend to Jesus until my Now is H.M.S. Richards, the voice of prophecy speaker. His subject, the beasts of history. Strange subject, you say, not really. In the second chapter of the book of Daniel, Holy Bible, we find a great prophecy of the history of the world from Daniel's time down to our own. That is, from about 600 years before Christ until his second coming. Under the symbol of an image of a gigantic man, the whole history of the human race is pictured. The head of gold, Babylon, the breast and arms of silver, Medo-Persia, the sides of brass, the Grecian Empire, the legs of iron, the Roman Empire, the feet, which were a mixture of iron and porcelain with their ten toes, represent the divisions of the Roman Empire, now known as Britain, France, Germany, Spain, Portugal, Italy, and so forth which nations are still in existence today. Then God declared to the prophet, In the days of these kings shall the God of heaven set up a kingdom which shall never be destroyed. That's verse 44. That's the prophecy of the second chapter of Daniel. Now we turn to the seventh chapter where we find the same course of human history pictured under an entirely different symbol, namely, four great beasts or wild animals. Listen to the words of the prophet. Remember, they were written over 600 years before Christ was born. Daniel says, I saw in the night visions. Behold, four winds drove upon the great sea. And four great beasts came up from the sea, different one from another. Are we just guessing when we say that these four beasts represent the four great imperial powers of this earth which reign successfully and successively over civilized humanity? I think not, because we read in verse 17, these great beasts which are four are four kings which should arise out of the earth. That word kings really means kingdoms as we find in verse 23. The fourth kingdom upon this earth is the fourth beast, says the prophet. If the fourth beast is the fourth kingdom, then the third beast is the third, and so on. You see, God is using symbolic language, picture language. Just as in our day, the bear represents Russia, the lion, Britain, the eagle, the United States. These are really four great cartoons of prophecy, representing actual facts of history. Here's another fact. It often was not safe for a prophet to speak of certain countries by name, 
any more than it would be for a man today in certain lands to mention those places by name in positive statements that their power would come to an end, that there would be great changes in history. In the symbolic or picture language of the Bible, winds represent war and strife, as we find in Jeremiah 25:31. As a result of war and conflict, strife among the nations, these great empires rise one after the other. The waters which thou sawest, said another prophet, are peoples and multitudes and nations and tongues. That's Revelation 17, 15. So the wind stirring up a great storm over the sea in this prophecy represented wars among the nations. And as a result, these kingdoms arise. Represented by these cartoon beasts, the first was like a lion and had eagle's wings. Finally, the prophet sees the wings plucked from it. The lion stood on its feet like a man. A man's heart was given to it. Just as the golden head of Nebuchadnezzar's great image represented the mighty empire of Babylon, so the lion with eagle's wings represents the same earthly kingdom. The wings, of course, represent speed, rapidity of conquest. But a change comes. The wings are gone. Everything's slowed down. The lion doesn't fly like an eagle upon its prey. His boldness of spirit is gone, weak, timorous, afraid, the symbol of a declining nation. Not long after this, Belshazzar held his great feast with a thousand of his lords. A city even then was besieged by the invading Medo-Persians. King Belshazzar showed either his foolishness or his defiance in spending the night in drunken revelry when he should have been planning his defense against the enemy. Suddenly upon the wall of the banquet hall, a bloodless hand from the sleeve of darkness writes the words of doom. Thou art weighed in the balances and found wanting. Thy kingdom is divided and given to the Medes and Persians. That's Daniel 5:29. So it happened that the city was captured that very night. Belshazzar himself died at the hand of his enemies. There are no doubt governments today on the walls of whose cabinet rooms the Lord has written, Thou art weighed in the balance and found wanting. Thy kingdom is divided. We think of individuals too, yes. Maybe some of us listening to this broadcast. If we should look into our own hearts, would see written there, Thou art weighed in the balances, found wanting. If so, it's our privilege to do what Belshazzar did not do. We may yet turn to God. We may give our hearts to Him. If we repent of our sins, turn toward righteous obedience, all through the atoning sacrifice of Christ, we may find full salvation and a happy experience of service for God. But back now to the beast of history. The second was like a bear, we read in Daniel 7, 5. This represents, of course, the Medo-Persian Empire, which overthrew Babylon. It was a dual empire like Austro-Hungary used to be. The bear raised itself up on one side, the prophet says. The Persian side was stronger, became predominant. The three ribs in its mouth represent no doubt the three powers destroyed or devoured in its rising to power in the, in the world. These are Libya, Babylon, and Egypt. But time marches on, not only in history, but on radio broadcasts. So we come now to the third universal empire. After this I beheld and lo, another like a leopard, which had upon the back of it four wings. The beast had four heads. This, of course, represents... Grecia, which followed Medo-Persia, and the speed of conquest under Alexander the Great, represented by the four wings. 
I shall never forget the thrill that came to me as I rode up the Khyber Pass between Pakistan and Afghanistan and realized that Alexander the Great had once marched down in the opposite direction to invade India. Time rushed on, and the great empire of Grisha gives way to something else. But before it gives way, it's divided in four parts. Four leading generals of Alexander the Great divided up his kingdom, Cassander, Lysimachus, Ptolemy, and Seleucus, just as the scripture indicated in the four heads of this beast. And you'll find, radio friend, that the study of Bible prophecy in the light of history is not only fascinating, it contains the faith of every believer, confirms it, and shows that God foresaw the future. If God could see tomorrow in Daniel's day, he can see tomorrow in our day. Now, we reach the end of the prophecy of the beasts, as we read in verse 7, After this I saw in the night visions, and behold, a fourth beast, dreadful and terrible and strong exceedingly. It had great iron teeth. The prophet then goes on to tell how this iron-toothed beast devoured, broke in pieces, stamped that which it did not eat. Different from all the other beasts that were before it, it had ten horns. This fourth beast, of course, represents the Roman Empire, which destroyed the Grecian. Rome was not only the greatest empire of antiquity. It also reached over to the very edge of modern times and through its divisions into modern times, our own times. Rome ruled all the civilized world from the Euphrates River in the east to the Atlantic Ocean on the west, from the Sahara Desert in Africa on the south to the Danube and the Rhine and the Baltic Sea on the north, even including about half the British Isles. And remember, they had no modern transportation. In one sense, Rome was a sort of United Nations with headquarters in the so-called Eternal City on the banks of the Tiber in Italy. It took its name from the city of Rome. Its military power was really dreadful. Its iron legions marched hither and yon over the earth, stamping out all opposition. It was the Roman armies that captured the city of Jerusalem and destroyed it in A.D. 70. It was the Roman Empire that forced peace over the earth and ruled the world when the Prince of Peace was born in Bethlehem. In fact, it was by a Roman decree that the Virgin Mary and Joseph went to Bethlehem to be enrolled as taxable citizens. Rome organized the world with one official language, a system of good roads, a postal system, a legal system, and so made it possible for the gospel carried by the first apostles to go quickly into all the world. But what about the ten horns of this image? It is a fact that out of that great empire of Rome, which ruled when Jesus was born, when it broke up at the beginning of what we call the Middle Ages, ten kingdoms arose, one after the other, represented today by our modern European nations. For instance, the Anglo-Saxons, the English, the Franks, the French, the Alemanni, the Germans, the Lombards, the Italians, and so forth. As the prophet was looking at the ten horns, he saw another little horn rise up among them. It overthrew three of the first ten. It became greater than the rest. This no doubt represents an ecclesiastical organization of the early ages. For the church became quite political in its nature and held sway over Western Europe for many centuries. 
There's much more in this chapter. The actual dates of certain events are predicted, and the period of ecclesiastical supremacy is announced. A wonderful description of the judgment of God in heaven. One of the more tremendous word pictures in all the English language, or in any language, is found in verses 9 to 14. Read it for yourself. The whole great prophecy of Daniel 7 winds up with this picture. The final rule will not be of these four beasts of prophecy, now the beasts of history, nor of the eleven kings which were to arise and did arise and have arisen, which is all supported and all proved by the records of history. You can find them in any library, and any history teacher in high school or college will sustain these facts of history. But the final announcement of the prophecy is that the Son of Man, that's Jesus, shall inherit the kingdom of this world. To him, I'm reading the 14th verse of Daniel 7, was given dominion and glory and a kingdom that all people and languages and nations should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away, and his kingdom that which shall not be destroyed. Babylon was destroyed and succeeded by Medo-Persia. Medo-Persia by Grecia, Grecia by Rome, Rome by the ten nations of modern Europe, some of these by an ecclesiastical authority. But all of them at last will be succeeded by the worldwide kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And he will share this kingdom with his people. It's a democratic kingdom because it's a kingdom of love. And the kingdom and dominion and the greatness of the kingdom under the whole heaven, we read in verse 27, shall be given to the people of the saints of the Most High, whose kingdom is an everlasting kingdom, and all dominions shall serve and obey him. The rule of the four beasts of history has already ended. We're living now in the last end of the era of the Horn Kingdom. Soon the kingdoms of this world shall become the kingdoms of our Lord and of his Christ. Are we ready for the transformation, for a home in the empire of holiness? During the First World War, a very luxurious French villain, the path of invading armies, was shelled and great gapping holes torn through its sides. Some swine found their way into the building and pushed along into the magnificently furnished drawing room. There they trampled the rich carpets under their feet, overturned the beautiful furniture, tore the expensive draperies, chewed everything with the hope of satisfying their hunger. All the beauty, the elegance, the cultural characteristics of the place the paintings, the lamps meant nothing to their pig's nature. To them it was just another hog pen. What about the unregenerated millions of this earth? What about us? It's our privilege to be born again, to have the reign of the Christ nature in us by faith. The kingdom of God is within us if we're his children. In each of us the unregenerate nature must be changed. We must be regenerated, born again, not by the will of man, but by the word of God which liveth and abideth forever. Let us seek that experience today so that we will feel at home in that kingdom of glory which is soon to come. Yes, God help us all to be born again. came unto Jesus by night to ask him the way to salvation and light. The master made answer in words true and plain. 
ye must be born again. Ye must be born again. Ye must be born again. I verily, verily say unto rest and sing with the ransom the song of the blessed the life everlasting if ye would obtain ye must be born again ye must be born again ye must be born again Now, this is Orville Iverson of the Voice of Prophecy, suggesting that as we allow the light of the world, Jesus Christ, to shine in our heart and light our way, then we can go forward in faith. Have faith in God, prophetic voices call. Have faith in God as nations rise and fall. Have faith in God. His word foretold it all. Have faith, dear friend, in God. We trust you've enjoyed this program, and next week... Listen for another broadcast brought to you by the voice of prophecy. The Lord bless thee and keep thee. The Lord make his face shine upon thee and be gracious unto thee. The Lord lift up his countenance upon thee and give thee peace.